Hi friends, this is Shadima, also known as the Type A Hippie, and this is the Type A Hippie Podcast, Cheekast episode 37. Y'all are proud of me, huh? I didn't have to fumble. Anyway, I am on with one of my dear, dear friends, Mandy Reed. She is a founder of Mandy Reed Yoga, amongst other things, and I'm so happy to have you on, Mandy. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a listener, so and also you're a dear friend, so it's wonderful to be here. Yeah, no, totally. Um, so I've been, let's be honest, friends, I beg, I beg my people to come on the show. And so <laughs> I'm like, Mandy, will you come on? And so because she's so busy, and she'll introduce herself in her own words shortly, but it, it kind of didn't work as quickly as we had wanted. And uh, so, yeah, it's super cool to finally be talking and having you here. So, Mandy, for anyone who doesn't know you, who is Mandy Reed, in your own words? That's always a funny question to me. (laughs) Yeah, let me introduce myself here. Um, Well, I am Mandy. I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and I am a yoga teacher. And um, that's my main thing right now is I'm teaching a lot of classes and I love yoga. It's just so much a part of my lifestyle um, with my own practice and with teaching others. But also I am trying to break into writing. And so just recently I released a course called Love Your Body and it's all about body um, positive attitudes and what body image is really about when we kind of mistake it for other things. Um, but outside of that, I have two little girls, uh, two very wild little girls that I love and I'm married to my best friend and yeah, we're just kind of hanging out here in Nashville, always doing stuff, staying busy. That's cool. And her two little girls have the most piercing blue eyes I've ever seen (laughs) in a really long time. And they're so cute and they're really funny. Thank you. Yeah, I like them. (laughs) I'm looking forward to meeting them. I'm going to. I'm going to come visit y'all soon. Oh, they'll they'll adore you. They'll adopt you as an aunt. (laughs) Oh, my God. I love it. I love it. So, yeah. yeah, So speaking of body positivity, one of the things that I guess one of the first times I connected with you, I had connected with you because we we have mutual friends. And so Mm -hmm. that's been a longstanding thing. And we've always known each other, but not known each other. Like we've known of each other, right? And then we spent some time together. And really got caught up, and that was so awesome for me. Yeah, uh, very therapeutic. And and the other thing that was incredibly therapeutic, and I didn't even expect this to be the case, was probably in 2015. I would say towards the end of the year, but you'll have to refresh my memory if I'm off on the timeline. But there was a this is a good body, so it was like hashtag this is a good body, and it was an Instagram. Mm like yoga challenge. Um, but it kind of wasn't about that. It was so much deeper. And so that was one of the first times for me, Mandy, that I really like that I revealed that I had been bullied Mm. and that that set a chain reaction of really negative, uh, behaviors on my part. One of which was an eating disorder that lasted for 20 years, 20 plus years. And when I posted that, so I posted it on Instagram and then I, you know, my Instagram goes to my Facebook and people from my high school were shocked. Mm. Like people from my middle school were shocked. They did not know that that was going on. And it's so interesting to me because, you know, that meme that goes around and it's like, be kind to people because you don't know the battle, the internal battle that they may be, you know, the internal war that they may have going on. And it's so true because a lot of times we put on this brave face, right? And it's like, 
oh, I'm good, you know, and I, I, I know I did that for myself. Like I didn't tell my parents until much later that things were going on and things were as bad as they were. And they didn't really notice that I wasn't eating breakfast and lunch, you know, how could they? Mm-hmm. I'm one right. of five. And so, right. um, tell us about kind of what that was like for you as, uh, like a, a founder or creator of that, you know, I say holy, sad apart, sacred space. Yeah, well, um, when we got to talking, all the people that did that with me, all the other women, um, we were just talking kind of about our own body image and the struggles that we had had and how that had really, um, like you said, it was very internal. Like there was so many things that, you know, we think of body image and we think of, oh, you know, we like what we see in the mirror or not, but it's really not about that. It's so many levels deeper than just what we're looking at in the mirror. And so when we began to talk about that and talk about our upbringings and talk about um, things that had been said to us within church context, we're like, wow, we have a lot to kind of unfold here. And so when we all got together and started talking about it, we're like, let's just be honest about where we're at and um, how this is unfolding for us and how we've grown in our um, own body image and positivity. And we just started to be really vulnerable on the internet, which that can kind of blow up in your face sometimes, (laughs) but we, we decided to give it a go and all of us truly believed in vulnerability. We thought that was the most powerful tool that we could bring to our communities. So whether it blew up in our face or not, or blew up in our face or not, it, we decided just to kind of go do it and we did it. And we were blown away by people's stories. Like, when one person is vulnerable, it just kind of creates this chain reaction of other people going, oh, okay, me too, you know? And so we just kind of started it and then watched everyone around us just bring this really, all these stories to the table that were really healing. And there was a lot of solidarity. And I think that's one of the most powerful things along with vulnerability was we were all able to be like, oh, you too, like you struggled with that too, or, oh, that's what it was for you, you know? And um, we, I was blown away by reading your story and by reading everyone else there and how honest people were. And it was just cool to see the chain reaction all around the table, you know? Yeah, no, I mm-hmm. absolutely agree. And I say this often, there's something incredibly powerful about me too. And, you know, I feel like it's yeah. a chain link that connects us and that's part of our DNA. I really believe that connection, we're hardwired for connection and we, we deeply desire. It doesn't mean that we don't have different personality types. It doesn't mean that yeah, Man- Mandy and I are both and our other best friend, Stephanie, and some of our other friends are deeply introverted. And you wouldn't know it because <laughs> yeah. we do speak openly and publicly in different forums or different platforms. And mm, so, yeah. it, you know, it's not to take away from that. And at the same time, yeah, there's something really sacred about vulnerability and transparency and safe spaces. And you're right. You don't know sometimes what you're walking into. And I'm just so grateful that people honored and held space for that, uh, that work. Because when I do work, everyone in my life benefits from the work that I do. Mm, That's the truth. You know, when I honor the process and kind of go to those hidden places and go to those spaces that are tight that uh, no longer fit me. I, I think of it as like, there's, you know, a story in a book that I love, um, sacred text that says, you know, it's like putting new wine into old wine skins. And mm. so there are, I, 
I've seen in my own life and I've seen in the lives of people that have, uh, have honored me by sharing their own stories, like these turning points, you know, in people's lives where it's like a fork in the road and they make a decision and it's like, do you go this way? Do you go that way? And we can easily stay quiet and keep our Mm -hmm. mouths shut, right? Like that's, it seems like that's the easier, softer way, but it's really not because that's how I was able to stay in such unhealthy relationship with food and my body is by keeping mm-hmm. my mouth shut, you know? And right. so then I get, it takes the power out of, out of that illness uh, when I open my mouth and I share something with you. And then I have mm-hmm. to make a decision, right? Because it's like, well, is Mandy going to tell my business or not, you know? Right. And then when you don't, I'm like, okay, she's a safe person. And when you don't yeah. again, same thing, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. I was talking with another friend and I was just like, it's not as easy to have really solid relationships as adults, you know, because sometimes Glennon talks about this in, um, in carry on warrior. Mm, Right. You, you told me that I would love it and I absolutely love it. Mm, Glennon Doyle mountain. She's one of our faves and she talks about, being friends and like some of the stuff that she has in her mind to say, and then she'll run it by her sister and her sister's like, don't say that. (laughs) You'll tear someone off. But there have been times that she's been with her kids at the park, you know, and another mom's there and she says the hard things. That's how she kind of got started. She said the things that no one, like everyone was thinking and feeling and she put like life to it. And people are like, Oh my God, me too. You know? So Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so so cool. Anyway, you were going to say something? No, I just think that, um, you know, we all think we're a little bit crazy, you know, like we all kind of think we're in our own little world and no one thinks the things that we do and no one's done the things that we've done. And then finally someone kind of pedals up next to us and they're like, oh, no, no, I I do that too. Or, you know, I fear that too. Or, you know, I think that too. We're like, oh, I'm not crazy. (laughs) You know, and I think that that solidarity there, whether we're talking about body image or addiction or whatever it may be when someone else can just be like, yeah, you know, you're not crazy. You're human, you know? And so if we can stand together in that and not have shame surrounding it, I think there's something really powerful about that. Yeah, no, it's so true. And so, yeah, I wanted to talk about yoga too, because you talked about that. And so for me, I remember taking my first yoga class and I hated it. And then I had Mm -hmm. a serious spiritual, like an awakening, if you will. And then six months after my first yoga class, I took another one and I absolutely fell in love. And Mm, it was just the stillness and the quiet and the um, spirit that really guided me on my mat. Like I really connected. Um, I I got one. (laughs) It's so funny. It's like the divine speaks to me on my mat a lot Mm -hmm. when I am really quiet and even when I'm not, and I remember this one time I was on my mat, I had just taken a power yoga class. So when it's not even just like, it's not even yin or gentle, right, or st- restorative, like I mm-hmm. will have taken a power yoga class or like an Ashtanga self-practice or even like a hot yoga class. And I am like, okay, that yeah. was the lesson, you know, and I remember right. being on my mat and it was near my birthday um, in September. Um years ago, probably five or six years ago. And I remember the divine saying, you know, you're not as loving as you think you are. Mm. And I was like, (laughs) 
what? What, what yeah. kind of antagonistic <laughs> ish is that, right? Like, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And I just started to weep because I was like, you preach a really good game and you can stand to love God's kids a little bit more. Mm. You know, because it's really simple. Yeah. Like, my calling in this world, on this planet, at this time, is to love the divine and love the people on this planet. And yeah. I was just floored and convicted and just... And by convicted friends, I just mean, like, it really rocked my soul um, mm-hmm. to its core to because I thought that I was going in the right direction, right? And... yeah. And it's just like, I call the messages from the mat. It's like, what, what do I need to learn? So to walk us through, if you can, um, kind of your yoga journey. Like, how did you start? How did you come to your mat in the first place? And what made you want to teach and kind of where you're yeah. at right now? Okay. Well, yoga has always been very purifying for me. Like it is like what you were saying, power classes are kind of my, my thing. I love to go to a power class because it's kind of where I burn through everything. You know, I have all this pent up, whatever it may be, stress or anxiety, whatever, or maybe it's, you know, junk that I'm working on internally. And that's where I burn through everything. And that final Shavasana, that final resting pose is where all the pieces kind of fall into place, you know? Um, But when I, came across yoga I was um living with two other girls I was probably 19 years old and I had never ever done yoga my entire life it was I grew up in kind of a conservative evangelical circles where yoga is not smiled upon or you know um looked upon well and so it just had never really crossed my mind um but I had a roommate that the, my two roommates, everyone liked to work out a lot. And, you know, that's kind of the thing when you're in your early 20s, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so we, um, she had a VHS, I think a yoga VHS. And she's like, hey, I do this. And I've, you know, really seen a change in my body. Do you want to do it with me? And I was like, I don't know. Okay, sure. And so we ended up doing it in our tiny little apartment living room. And it was just the thing for me. Like, I loved it so much. Um, and I would do it occasionally never really thought much of it until, um, right around the time I had just got married. Like, I mean, I was freshly married. We were super young when we got married and I had dropped out of school to get married and I was kind of floundering. Like I didn't know where I was going with my life, what I wanted to do. And I was nannying for a family. And one day the children's, um, aunt that I nannied for, she came over and she said, hey, you know what you should do? You should go to this yoga class at my church. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, and she went to a Baptist church, too. <laughs> so I was like, okay, so you have a yoga class at your Baptist church. That kind of seems seems a little strange to me, but I'm going to go and give it a try out. So I went and I walked in the door and that was my first real yoga class. And I was weeping like it was the most beautiful amazing experience that I I had experienced thus far. And I knew the first time that I was on there that I wanted to become a teacher. And so I would come back every week to the same class and got to know the teacher. And right off, I was just like, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do. So I signed up for some online yoga training. And I did that. I didn't know any better than just to do something online. And so I just started teaching here and there kind of pop up classes and subbing for people. And then I went through a 200 hour training followed by a 500 hour training Mm -hmm. and now I'm working on another 200 and 500 hour training and a little bit of a training junkie I love to learn about yoga um, and grow as a teacher 
but I've been teaching for the past seven years now, I think, um, off and on because I had two babies back to back. So that kind of kept me from teaching for, for a while. Um, but I just being able to bring that healing to other people is what I know I'm supposed to be doing in this life, what the healing that yoga has brought me. Because when I um, stumbled upon yoga, the first VHS that I was doing, I was in the throes of an eating disorder and severe body shaming. And um, throughout practicing yoga, I really came, kind of came home to myself. And I, um, it was such a healing, powerful um, tool in my life um, that I just knew that whether I get paid for this or not, you know, I want to be doing this for the rest of my life. I want to bring this to other women. I want to bring this to other people so they can find healing, whether that be through body image or through something else. Um, yoga is very, <clears throat> excuse me, healing. Um, if you have trauma, um, that's, you know, working through the energy centers of the body and being able to bring everything full circle, um, with meditation. It's just, I could go on for hours about this, but, um, it has been the number one most healing thing in my life. And I am hoping to bring that to my students every week when I teach them. Um, but yeah, that's kind of been my journey so far. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, it's always growing and evolving the styles of yoga that I'm teaching and practicing. Um, right now, I'm kind of um, really into more of a structured practice. I've been doing some Ashtanga and um, Hot 26 and things that I never thought I would love because I'm more of a really hippy-dippy, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm kind of scattered-brained. I love the dancey, flowy, you know, like, real free-spirited stuff. But lately, I've been finding that my practice, I'm needing a lot more structured, focused um, type of yoga practice. And that just manifests in my life. You know, whatever is happening on my mat kind of manifests when I step off my mat, you know. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at now. I know that's all, that's a lot, and that's kind of scattered. But no, I <laughs> that's love where I'm that. at, yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, a year after my second yoga class, I was a certified yoga teacher as well with my mm, first 200 hour. Yeah. And then I also have gotten a 500 hour. I am a yoga certified yoga therapist and mm. have done trauma sensitive yoga as well because that's incredibly important. If you're breathing, yeah. you've experienced some sort of trauma in your body. Yeah. And, you know, it's encouraged to do something with that trauma so that you have more clarity of mind amongst other things because the trauma stays in the body and the body remembers all yeah. of this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and I'm in the middle of another 500 hours as well. Yeah. <laughs> we're in the <laughs> we're same just line. Training junkies. Yeah, we're yeah. training junkies, you know, because it's so good and I love, I mean, that's one of the reasons I started this other Instagram account was because I love yoga anatomy and physiology. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. how the body was created and how it works and how it's evolved and what what people are able to do, uh, with the body and just, and I, and I say evolution because, uh, it's so important. Like, and I love to mix in essential oils with them as well, because, you know, one of the oils, a langling, for example, is the oil of the inner child. And so when you look at your two girls and when I look at my nephews, I'm like, I was watching them this week and I was like, Hey, <laughs> go in downward facing dog and they're both in downward mm. facing dog. Now one will be, Oh, tomorrow one will be two and a half. And then the mm. other, the next day, Friday, the, the other one will be four. And mm. so their bodies, like they just go in the shape, like they just yeah. go into the yoga poses and don't really know exactly what it's doing for them. And really probably couldn't care less about that part yet. But 
Mm-hmm. It just is so intuitive to them. It's just so a part of who they are. And I'm sure that's with your girls too. Like they just, they just move, you know, because we were, yeah. we were created to move. But also there's this fearlessness that we kind of lose along the way. And we get to, I found with yoga, I've been able to pick it up. This fearlessness yeah. that I, that I didn't have at various points of my life. Right. Like, like going up in a headstand. I mean, who really cares yeah. if you can do that, right? Really, honestly. Right. Or like any arm balances. It's really not that big of a deal when you think about it. Um, right. It's not about the yoga, but it's not not about it either because I teach on and off the mat as well, and I'm sure you do too. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, can I do it? Like you said that you are writing, you know, and you mm-hmm. did write this course that many of us participated in, and it's like, if I stop myself and I say, oh, I can't do that, yeah. then I'm going to do that off the mat too. Mm-hmm. Or I could just go up in a headstand and if I fall out, I fall out, but at least right. I attempted and yeah. I'll start to feel more comfortable upside down, just like I'll start to feel more comfortable, you know, doing yeah. a podcast or whatever right. else I'm doing in my life. So yeah, I love that. So we have another book in common that... Mm-hmm. You probably didn't know what's coming your way, but it is <laughs> finding God. In the, <laughs> finding God in the waves. So I read yeah, that. Yeah, so good. Uh huh. So good, right? If you mm-hmm. if you listen to the Robcast, raise your glass. I don't think yeah. anyone. <laughs> like, anyway, that's a really good podcast too. And yeah, he's like, it is. like so good. But yeah, finding God in the waves is. So amazing. What was your favorite part about it? So it's about this guy, Science Mike. Um, the forward was written by Rob Bell. And mm-hmm. you actually interviewed him, Mandy. I did, pretty yeah. pretty rad. Um, and he's talking about how he lost his faith and found it again through science. So what was your favorite part in the book? And I'll talk about mine afterwards. I just loved his honesty that he right. was – no. I, you know, <laughs> it's sad, but there's not a lot of people out there that are that honest about their faith you know, and about so their lo- their loss of faith and how their faith has completely changed. And I just appreciated how he brought such a raw story. Like once again, the vulnerability, you know, where, you know, we've all had those thoughts, right. You know, and yep. some of us have acted on them and some of us haven't, some of us have just internalized them, but he was able to write it all out. And I think it's been a really powerful book because of that. Um, but yeah, the whole story just leading up to that moment on the beach. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to give anything away totally. <laughs> as I read it, but, um, yeah, he's a super cool guy. I really, really appreciate his story and his podcast. And, um, have you heard his podcast, Ask Science Mike? No, I've never heard of that. So, so friends, just to catch you up in case you don't know. So it's Mike McCurg and he is a podcaster as well and an author and he does the liturgist podcast. So he's Mm -hmm. one of the mics on there. So there's a Michael Gunger and then this mic, uh, and they do the liturgist podcast. And I've talked about that on my, on this podcast a lot because I love Mm. that podcast. Um, and then he also does one as himself, like just by himself called science, Mike or ask science, Mike, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I have good. to listen to that one then. So I'm going to listen, start listening to that one. I just have so many podcasts on my, th- I know like, on my- <laughs> what are what are your top five? Someone asked me this the other day and I was like, um, yeah. I don't follow directions well, so I'm giving you seven. <laughs> so, right. I know. So, so here are seven. Oh. 
Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so always Robcast is just... Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, that's my Monday morning ritual is to download Robcast and go get Starbucks, you know, and I go and I just... And it's always something that's so profound and, you know, moves me for the rest of the week. Um, But Robcast, for sure, the liturgists, really awesome. That's another great one. They've had some really great podcast episodes lately. Um, I really like On Being with Krista Tippett. I think she's fascinating. Um, I love to listen to her. I love her writing. um, And the people that she has on her podcast, too, are people that I generally would not have come across. So that's always Mm -hmm. um, a good one to listen to. Um, Of course, I love yours and love activists with Stephanie Moore. I know. That one's (laughs) a good one, right? It is. so good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I, I'm always just kind of checking out new ones. Oh, another one that I've been listening to lately is the making of Oprah, which is oh. fascinating. It is I've only I'm only one episode in, um, but it's just it's her whole journey of you know becoming you know the Oprah that she's known for, you know, totally. and um, her show and you know her, the mistakes that she made that she's saying that she wish she would have done this way, you know. So that's been a really good one, but. Um, those are my main ones that I'm listening to. And usually I can't find time to get any more. I know. It's that. I so wish I could. Much. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh-huh. really. So I agree. You're. I agree with the Robcast, the mm-hmm. Liturgist podcast, Love Activist. Um, yeah. I like On Being as well. I haven't listened to it as much as I would have liked, would like, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I'm big on uh, Undisclosed. Um, oh yeah, and then I most more recently got turned on, like literally this week, started listening to NPR's Embedded, where they Ooh, go yeah. deeper into a story. So I just listened one on immigration, and so mm. it's an immigration lawyer. So it's it's like NPR style, right? Where okay. but they take a news story and they go deeper into it. I so love that. I'm about to listen to one on. They've done a series on like police videos. So Mm. now we're in the advent of, or advent of, you know, cell phone video footage on everything. So, which will probably lead us to our next kind of topic, but, um, activism. So cell phones are everywhere and people are videoing everything. So you kind of have to be mindful of that. Um, I mean, even, a mother with her child, you know, and, mm. and that can be unfortunate too, because you just don't know what's going on, but someone could bust out their cell phone, you know, and take video without even, you know, airplanes. We've seen that a lot where people yeah. are, I mean, some people have been really ignorant on airplanes and thankfully the, you know, airlines have done the right thing and <laughs> yeah. those people to get off. I'm like, if you're right. racist and like being awful human beings on the plane <laughs> I mean please leave please yeah. leave like yeah hire a private jet if you don't like other people because <laughs> this is kind of it's so funny like I travel pretty frequently and people bump you and you get jostled and people's yeah. luggage ends up in your face or their butt in your face you know and, <laughs> and people always apologize and I'm like you know what this is the cost of public transportation right like, it's true you it's know so we're true. all flying and it's like okay you know yeah so yeah so let's talk about some activism because that's another okay. thing that we have in common that yeah. has been kind of more recent and I would say probably from like November 2016 on um, Mm -hmm. some of 
I would, I'll speak for myself and then I'll, I'll let you speak for yourself. But, um, for me, things started to change and shift. Um, but I would say most recently in January, I started to post a lot more stuff on, uh, social media in particular, Facebook and Twitter about, um, some of my disappointments, some of my grief, some of my frustrations and Mm -hmm. sadness, I would say, because, um, I interviewed one of our dear friends, Gina. Uh, Mm -hmm. so she will be on the podcast very soon. Um, well actually before this, (laughs) this episode airs. And one of the things we talked about was that for me, I experienced some sadness because I thought I knew people better than I actually did. Right. And I would say, people that I know personally, but also the collective people. So like the mm-hmm. people of the United States of America, other Americans, I felt like I knew them better. Um, and then I was disappointed. And it's not that I didn't know some of this stuff existed. And by some of the stuff, I mean, racism, sexism, right. xenophobia, right? Islamophobia, um, trans and homophobia, and all of these disgusting yeah. things that I don't believe are who we are, but really are totally entrenched in the DNA of America. So how has this experience been for you and what has come up that you didn't, you weren't expecting or even things about yourself that you didn't think, um, prior to kind of January? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I always, before, the shit hit the fan totally. <laughs> past year, totally. um, which I, you know, now like in hindsight, I realized it had been hitting for a long time. Right. I just was not as aware of it. Um, I always kind of prided myself on that. I was not a political person and I would very loudly say that now looking back, I kind of cover my head in shame, <laughs> but I, I never, you know, was involved politically. Um, I mean, we had Obama in office mm-hmm. for eight years and I kind of like, Oh, we're good. You know, totally. we got a great guy in there, you know, so we have nothing to worry about. Totally. I mean, obviously once again, you know, that comes from, you know, I'm a white woman that, you know, I have a lot of privilege and stuff. So I didn't think to look outside of my box that even though we have a, this great president, things are going on all around. And I, you know, I would have, you know, here and there, I would have things that would alert me and I'd begin to wake up to those things. But um, previous to everything going on, my faith began to shift a lot and I began to deconstruct a lot. So within that, I think your eyes are open to a lot of things that you um, where I used to just kind of be blinded by just because of the culture and the faith um, systems that I grew up in and also um, continue to walk into into my adulthood because I didn't really know any better. Um, but when my eyes started to open, I started to wake up and it happened, you know, it it's been happening for over the last decade, but, um, it's kind of been in overdrive the past few years, but then especially, um, when everything went down, you know, in the past year with, um, our current president and all the things that came along with that, I, it just, I would sit down and I read these stories and I'd listen to these people's stories and listen to the podcasts. And just, I was in a, a season of just listening to other people and hearing stories that were outside of my privilege and, just being blown away, like not, I could not believe that this was happening right, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, and I um, couldn't understand how people of faith weren't taking action against these things and that we're participating in a lot of these things. And at, um, right before the elections, um, we were living in a a small town and we live in the South and it was very (laughs) 
Wonder Bread. Um, everybody looks the same. Everybody's Republican. Everybody goes to the same church. You know, everybody's at the YMCA. You know, like there was no diversity at all. And we were about to put my um, my kindergartner into, you know, kindergarten. So I went to enroll her and it was at a top rated school. Like the public schools were amazing because they were very well funded. And I was you know, we were getting ready to enroll her in school. She had like a month or two before school. Mm -hmm. And I had this moment of, I can't live here. I cannot be here. There is no texture. There's no diversity. There's my child will only know other white children. Like literally she will not know anything different than this. And so we, within a matter of like a week, we sold our house and we moved and we moved to, um, closer in towards the city because I wanted, it was really important for me because the area that we lived into was very, uh, rich. And I did not want my children to think that this was how life was. This was like the two, one or 2% of the world. You know, they were surrounded by people that had everything they needed, did not look outside of their circle. And I did not want that. To be, I did not want that for my children. So that was the first indicator. Like we needed to get out. We need to get out. We need to hear other people's stories. We needed to have different um, circles of friends. We needed, you know, I wanted my children to, I, they were beginning to learn about that stuff and ask questions. So I was like, well, we need to move now. So we moved into the city and the school that my daughter goes to now is very diverse. And I love it. She has Muslim friends. She has friends that barely speak any English. She, she is not necessarily the majority. Like it's, and that's normal to her. And I love that. Cause I want her, cause when, um, when Trump became president, we had to have these conversations Mm -hmm. and I, 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 we would have these conversations across the dinner table because I'm like, you're going to walk into school tomorrow, like the day after he's elected, like, and there's going to be, your friends may be hurting. Um, you know, you're going to have these conversations with people and you're not going to understand what's going on. So, you know, and given that I wanted to, you know, not give her too much information yet, you know, just enough that she, you know, can have empathy and understanding and compassion. Um, but, um, it's been a really, it's been a a huge learning, you know, curve for all of us. Like we're getting to know things that we were not brought up in and we're opening our eyes and waking up and I'm watching my children wake up too, which is really amazing to see and how it just doesn't make sense to them. Why, you know, why these issues are even on the table. And, um, you know, I have always kind of, in the past few years, I have really been, um, I'm a self-proclaimed feminist. Like that is something I deeply believe in and trying to raise my children to be feminists. My husband's a feminist and we trying to raise our kids that way. Um, But, you know, we had these conversations across the table about, you know, the women's march and my girls were a little bit too young to go with me to the women's march, but we had the conversations of why mommy went to the women's march and what does your sign say? Why does it say black lives matter? Why does it say immigrants welcome? Why does, you know, like, um, why do these people not believe girls are as important as men, you know, and they're baffled. My children are sitting there. They're like, what, why, (laughs) you know? And I'm like, I know. Right. But you know, I, I'm really focusing in on raising them to be activists and we're buying books on activism for children. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's really, it's, it's interesting because it's not the way that I grew up, but I'm getting to see them grow up in a different way. And I'm learning as I go too. And I'm making mistakes as I go and I'm saying the wrong things sometimes. But, um, I think you and I even had a conversation where we were talking about something about activism and you Mm -hmm. said, it's just messy. Like we're going to do the wrong thing. Sometimes we're going to, it's going to be awkward sometimes. And I always think about that. Like when we're, when I'm like, am I doing this right? I don't know if I'm saying the right thing to them or if am I saying the right thing to this person, you know, and it's it's just, it's messy. And so that's part of the beauty of the evolution of the change of it, you know? And, um, 
so I don't even remember the original question. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, that's no, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. I mean, yeah, and and it's so funny because people sometimes ask for questions, and I'm like, I don't really do it that way. Like right. <laughs> we just talk, you know, and yeah, and this is what I love about humanity. If we're willing yeah. to get messy and roll up our sleeves and just do the damn thing, things right. can be different. Yeah. It's when we are unwilling and we stay on our sides and it's like, no, I'm right. No, I'm right. No, I'm right. Mm. No, I'm right. Like, what do yeah. you just hear? You just hear, no, I'm right. Nothing is changing. Right. Nothing is changing. Like, I'm just staying here and saying I'm right. Now, yeah. I will say that there are certain things that I do believe it's very clear, black mm-hmm. and white for me. And so I'm not going to really lend my voice or listen to someone from an all wrong movement, for example, or someone who like, that's, I'm just not going to do that. I'm not willing to do that. It's not safe. It's something that I've heard for a long time. And it's just, no, you know, at some point I have to say no. And I have to decide that I matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and that I'm going to allow my safety of my soul, (laughs) you know, to be bigger than, this garbage that I'm listening to or that someone's trying to, you know, absolutely circle around me. And so, yeah, you know, but that said, is there room for growth? Absolutely. You know, and we Mm. continue to do that because this is messy and, and you stand up and you just keep standing up, you know, you stand up and you speak out, you stand up and you speak out and you take, Mm. and that you take the space that you need. So speaking of taking space that you need besides yoga, Mm-hmm. How do you self-care? Meditation. Like that I, that can be a part of the yoga practice, but meditation is really, really important. I was having a conversation with a friend about this last night who is a fellow activist, and we're talking about trying to figure out how to have a meditation practice while having small children, <laughs> So, sure. um, which is very difficult. Um, but that, I mean... That's getting back in connection with yourself. That's coming home to yourself. And I think when we lend our energy out to um, fighting for the rights of others and, you know, fighting injustice and whatever it may be, however that may look for each person, I think that has been the number one most important thing to me. That's something I definitely need to carve out more time for. But when I'm feeling my healthiest and my most filled up, it's when I have a regular meditation practice. That's awesome. That might be your next business idea. Yeah. It's called Meditation with Mandy and the Girls. Because yeah. <laughs> Cause they're there too. <laughs> if you're a parent, <laughs> uh-huh. this might be, this is, it's funny. I don't know if you saw what I posted yesterday on Facebook. I was like, I feel like a superhero because yeah. uh, my nephews, I was watching them and they both finished all their food. And I'm not one to like, I gave them enough so that they could finish it. I don't necessarily, you know, this kind of old school idea that we many of us were raised with in terms of like finish don't get leave the table that's not what was happening right um right it was definitely a, a safe <laughs> and appropriate amount of food for them but yeah I was like this like parenting should be on resumes like yeah you have to <laughs> <Joke>. negotiate <laughs> Uh-huh. You know, you have to have interpersonal skills, collaboration, leadership. Like, yep. I mean, this is serious business here. Like, yeah, this man. business of minding little people. Like, because right. they have their wills and they're like, my nephew was like, he calls me Auntie Chitty Mommy. And he was like, Auntie Chitty Mommy won't let me leave the table <laughs> while I'm eating. I was like, 
damn straight. (laughs) (laughs) You better believe it. Keep your little ass right here. Yep. (laughs) You have five more bites left. And when you're done, then you can run around all you want, but not right now. Yeah. Um, And and his brother, so Micah's the older one and Harris is the younger one. And his brother, like he's strapped in, so he's not going anywhere. But yeah. (laughs) Mike is not and I'm just like um no right he's like he was telling my brother my not his dad but one of my brothers he's like yeah auntie chitty mommy said I couldn't leave yeah my brother was like okay you might want to listen to her that's yeah got some wisdom there right it's not a bad thing so Mandy how can people get in contact with you especially if they're in Nashville if they want to take your classes or if they want to do do you do private? I think you do. I do. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you can find me on my website. That's kind of the central point with all my information. And it's Mandy, M-A-N-D-Y, read, R-E-I-D.com. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Mandy Reed Yoga. I mainly am on Instagram, but occasionally every once in a while on Facebook as well. Kind of depends on the day. I kind of get maxed out on social media sometimes. Um, But I, I do love Instagram. So, and I'm always up. I'm really bad at responding sometimes I apologize I'm trying to get better at that <laughs> I am not I I'm learning to be more um focused this year <laughs> that's for sure that's right. um but yeah I have a bunch of YouTube videos up um free YouTube videos yoga practices meditations and I have a few more of them about to release so there's all of that and I have I think we mentioned earlier but the love your body course um that's yep. going to be up in my shop um pretty soon and that's um just a really intense look at um the underlying um, sources of negative body image and how to kind of reverse that. So, yeah, those are the ways you can get in contact with me. And the Love Your Body e-course, friends, was so good. It was – and I feel like – so once you buy it from Mandy's shop, like, you'll always have it too. So even if you're able to get through just a portion of it because that's kind of where your process is right now or what you're – you're ready for like don't allow any fear that like it's not time to get in the way because it's pretty much always time to heal you know yeah mm-hmm. why would you want to continue to carry around an unhealthy relationship with your own body or right. with food or with other people you know because all of those things are touched on when we you know as we talk about all of this stuff. And so Mandy is a very poignant writer and, um, you know, she's very transparent and authentic herself. And so you feel very comfortable when you go through the course, like I have it and I'm going to take a look at it as well, because I myself, where I was at, there were other things going on. And so I got through kind of the beginning part and then I tapered off, but that's okay because there's grace in the community. And so, um, if you, you know, once you get it and you, you do the work, you will start to see some underlying things that you've always held to be true and mm-hmm. realize that those aren't necessarily true anymore. Yeah. Um, you'll feel freer and be able to release. So I encourage everyone to dive in and get on her uh, website, mandyreed.com and look around because there are lots of videos on there, meditations, like she said, and she's just a really great teacher and a great human. Mm -hmm. So, so glad that you were on. 
Mandy. Thank you for so, having me. So it was so glad. fun. Good. Yeah. So I found a couple stories for us to read. So there's, uh, looks like a guy and he's wearing scrubs and it says, he says, I'm about to go to work. I'm an emergency room doctor and I work the 10 PM to 8 AM shift. So he's asked, asked, what's been your proudest moment as a doctor? Probably just the moment when I finally felt comfortable. It took about three years, and one day it just kind of clicked. Starting a shift in the emergency room is like feeling before a giant battle. It's like the feeling before a giant battle in a movie like Braveheart or Lord of the Rings. You just have an idea what's going to come through. You just have no idea what's going to come through the door. Sometimes five serious cases can come in at the exact same time, and you have a lot of decisions to make. And you have to know exactly how long each procedure takes and what can wait and what can't. I think my proudest moment was when I finally stopped feeling nervous because I'd reached a level of experience where I could make the correct decisions without thinking about them. So that's cool. Then there's Mm, another guy. And so I'll read both of his stories. It's the same person. I went to high school in a much nicer neighborhood. I played on the basketball team and we went to the state championship. So everyone treated me like a king. I never wanted to tell them where I lived. I want to be a cop, but I don't share that very often with people in my neighborhood. I don't want them to look at me differently. The police around here seem to work under the assumption that you're a criminal. You get asked for your ID in front of your own building. You get asked where you're going. You get asked if you have drugs. You tell them the truth, but it gets misconstrued, like you're trying to cover something up. And they ask if you if they can search you. When I went to school in Riverdale, I got to see how differently the police acted there. If they see you walking, it's like, oh, he's just a kid from the neighborhood. Hmm. So. Yeah. Right? It, it, mm-hmm. it happens. It's, it's, yeah. it's what we get to work towards. Um, yeah. In terms of providing justice for all, so that everyone feels comfortable being here. Yes. Mm-hmm. So. All right. I honor the place within you where the entire universe resides. I honor the place within you of love, of light, of truth, of peace. I honor the place within you where, when you are in that place in you, and I am in that place in me, there is only one of us. So thanks, friends, for supporting and loving me where I am always and uh, sending me so much love and light and positive affirmations and feedback on this podcast. Thank you for being here for this episode. If you love the Type A Hippie podcast, the Cheekast, please tell a friend and have them listen to it. And hopefully they'll tell a friend and tell a friend. Until next time. This is Cheekast episode 37. I hope you have a gratitude-filled day. My name is Chidima. Namaste.